You're listening to Navigating Through the Weeds with Dr. Hill and Dr. Crenshaw of Cannability Consulting, a division of Westminster Canterbury on Chesapeake Bay. We are here to provide education, consultation, care coordination, and community outreach to empower you, your loved ones, and the healthcare industry in safely navigating through the weeds of hemp and medical cannabis. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Alex Hill, the Chief Nursing Officer of Cannability Consulting. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Navigating Through the Weeds, where I'm going to be talking a little bit about quality of life. The reason for this is, is January is International Quality of Life Month. This month was established in 1994 to encourage people to focus on what's most important and find the inspiration to make positive changes towards a healthier lifestyle. This month-long celebration is all about taking a step back from the daily hustle and bustle of our lives and focusing on the things that truly matter like our health, happiness, and well-being. It's no coincidence that this month aligns with the new year, our new year's resolutions, and getting a fresh start. So really, what is quality of life? It can mean different things to different people, and one's definition of the term can change over time. According to Merriam-Webster, it's the overall enjoyment of life, our general well-being. But more specifically, it's the degree that a person or a group is healthy, comfortable, and able to enjoy the activities of daily living. Our World Health Organization further defines quality of life as someone's perception of their position in life in context with their culture and value systems that they're living and their expectations and their standards and their concerns. Someone's quality of life can be greatly affected by their environment, who is surrounding them, their physical location, and some factors that are maybe beyond their control. However, there's a lot of factors in one's locus of control that can positively or negatively impact quality of life, which we'll cover today. But really on a personal level, quality of life can be interconnected with finances, fitness, relationships, and really our level of quality of life or our perceived quality of life touches every dimension or domain of wellness, where if you've done a cannability consult with me before, you've probably heard me ask, what dimensions or what domains of wellness does your illness or whatever you have going on that you're seeking cannabis treatment, what of those are being impacted? And those domains are our emotional well-being, our physical well-being, our intellectual, occupational, spiritual, and then social uh, well-being. So if we're having, you know, health-related trouble, psychosocial trouble, things like that, that can all impact our ability to be resilient and be, um, you know, be able to respond to stressors like pain inflammation and oxidative stress, which are the the three primary mechanisms that our endocannabinoid system is is primed to target and, and work against. And so for those of you that are new here and maybe newer to cannabis, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a minute to talk a little bit about what the endocannabinoid system is. It's the largest neuroregulatory system in our body. It touches everything in almost every body system and can have impacts on on pain, mood, sleep, appetite, our ability to relax, our ability to focus, um, you know, so many other things. This receptor system is in our body. It's always been there. It, it really, we had a, I say in 1990 is really when, you know, the science and the literature and the evidence really, really, really started to take off with it. But yet it's not being taught in nursing school. It's not being taught in medical school. When I went to school, I had to learn every little bone in the body, every little muscle, you know, however, this this powerhouse, this air conditioning unit that our body has called the endocannabinoid system is something um, that is, is left out. And the way that system works is think about it like an air conditioning system with a bunch of locks and keys all over the body. 
body. The receptors are locks and the cannabinoids, which our body can naturally produce, which we're going to talk about how naturally upregulating our endocannabinoid system can help with quality of life here in just a little bit. But we can also supplement our natural production of these cannabinoids by ingesting phytocannabinoids in the cannabis plant. We all know THC, we probably know CBD, but there are dozens more that are lesser talked about and have positive evidence to to support. And what happens is those keys, whether it's made within our body or it's ingested when we consume cannabis, goes to the lock that it's attracted to. It either makes something good happen, stops something bad from happening, sends a message to another hormone, another receptor, or another signal to to do something. And in fact, this is two of my my most favorite fun facts of how the endocannabinoid system can uh, contribute to wellness and quality of life. In 2003, our United States Department of Health and Human Services actually issued a patent on cannabinoids properties being useful in the treatment and prophylaxis of a wide variety of oxidation-associated diseases such as ischemic, age-related, inflammatory, and autoimmune diseases. In 2013, the National Institute of Health, an organization that we look to daily for guidance on so many things, recognized that the modulation of our endocannabinoid system and its activity has therapeutic potential in almost all diseases affecting humans. Well, how do we know that? I, you know, I, I hear often, and I think it's been ingrained in us and, you know, stigmatized to believe that we don't have enough evidence about cannabis because, you know, there were, we're lacking clinical trials. Well, why is that? And, you know, is that, is that actually true? Like, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. And for those of you who are listening that are in the, you know, in the medical field or have done research or things like that, you know, and even if you're not, I mean, that we have a, a mini computer in our hands all the time. We can always find something to either support or negate, you know, um, a claim. You know, we, as medical cannabis use is rapidly growing, you know, patients are experimenting because they're no longer willing to wait for the green light from our federal government. And the results are abound both outside and inside of a trial. All we have to do is look around. And so right now, for example, according to Canakees, which is a a wonderful um, database of information, as of this recording, there are 6,948 published studies about cannabis and the human endocannabinoid system in over 275 conditions. This number is growing rapidly. I mean, just in the past 90 days, 305 studies were added to this database, and that's just going to continue to grow. Are they all perfect, randomized controlled trials with double blinds and placebos and, you know, all of those things? No. Uh, Does this number include millions and millions of other data points that cannabis clinicians and healthcare providers like myself get to witness on a daily basis? Uh, Not quite, but I and many other cannabis clinicians have long known that the rigors of a clinical trial cannot and should not be our only uh, source of information. And, you know, the the reason for that is, is, you know, evidence-based medicine, the original definition, if we go back to evidence-based medicine, is the integration of best research evidence with clinical expertise and patient values. Well, in recent decades, 
that has come to be configured as taking action against a single disease, following strict clinical guidelines, not deviating, really, you know, kind of sticking to a standard. And it's often caused clinicians to lose touch with their clinical judgment and the ability to respond to a a patient-centered or a holistic need. The guidelines often recommend beginning a pharmaceutical medication, but often don't look at what can be reduced or stopped or what other body systems um, could be upregulated or things that we can do outside of traditional medicine to, you know, to work on, you know, these effects. So while cannabis care can create some variety and it is very patient-centered because everyone's endocannabinoid system is different, of course, that's going to create variety in our approach, but consistency in care is not necessarily synonymous with best care. And so Cannability Consulting and in many other cannabis clinician practices, we aim to restore that role of providing professional, holistic, patient-centered care that meets someone's goals rather than being a disease or algorithm, you know, technician. So I know I, I went you know, in sort of a a clinician track here with this conversation. And I promise that we'll get back to how this all ties in, you know, with, with quality of life. But, you know, as medical cannabis use is rapidly growing and, you know, folks are experimenting on their own, we've learned a lot of things. Cannabis's safety profile is far superior to most any pharmaceuticals, as you likely know from reading just one drug insert or seeing one late night television commercial about the latest and greatest drug. The side effects are endless, there's a ton of fine print, and it usually ends in can result in possible death. Um, has anyone ever perished from a cannabis overdose? Not possible because the, you know, the receptors in the system don't tie to breathing unlike opioids and, you know, some other things. So, you know, to quote a really superb cannabis clinician, Dr. Dustin Sulak, in one of his most recent books, is that 96.6% of side effects noted in clinical trials for cannabis care are denoted as non-serious. And again, can't overdose, you know, things like that. So we, in general terms, have evidence to, you know, support positive effects. Does this mean that cannabis is for everybody? Absolutely. Not are there contraindications, things to be careful of, things to consider? Certainly, and you know we could spend an entire episode, you know, talking, you know, about just that. But as we're you know looking at improving quality of life, another thing that often startles people when we're when we're talking about you know, how cannabis works within our body is that it can work on a couple different things at the same time. We're able to control the effects by understanding medical history, medications you're taking, goals, things that you do and don't want to have happen. And so unlike a pharmaceutical, the the parts of a cannabis plant modulate one another and bind to receptor sites in multiple places rather than going to just one specific target. And this makes perfect sense. I mean, biology is complex. The human body is so complex. There are conditions you know, most medical conditions aren't caused by one single thing in one single location in the body. It's often a combination of some of those domains of wellness or different body systems or different organs. And it's often not resolved by just one intervention. So tying all of this back into the quality of life aspect, when we're talking about goals of care, what's important? What is, you know, what does wellness look like to you? That's something that I often ask either before or 
during a consult. What does wellness look like to you? And for each person, that can look very different. Wellness could be looking at food and actually being able to tolerate eating it without feeling nauseous. It could be getting a better night's sleep. It could be being able to regulate our emotions to respond more constructively to a stressful situation. It could be relief of pain. It can also just be looking at the proactive. Illness wellness is really a continuum. I think it's important to give a nod to John Travis, who established the illness wellness continuum in 1972. It's a really powerful tool and it's sort of a visual. I'll include a picture of it in the show notes for individuals to understand why it's important to maintain wellness and also prevent illness. And it's a it's a continuum, right? So it's an arrow if you're looking at the the model. There's high level wellness on one end and then death on the you know the other side. And it emphasizes that wellness is not just the absence of disease, but it's an active process of achieving that well-being and improving that quality of life, whether it's physically, mentally, occupationally, environmentally, things like that. And so this model says that we can improve our wellness by making lifestyle changes. This could be increasing physical activity, working on our diet, being mindful, practicing self-care to reduce stress. It really encourages us to be active participants in our health and well-being, making positive choices, taking preventative measures, educating ourselves as much as we can to become our most actualized self. Illness is not just the presence of disease, but it's a dynamic state that can, you know, we could be a little bit off kilter and kind of, you know, rein it back in, bring it back. Or we might be having a severe disease state or may have multiple conditions going on at once. It can be dynamic and changing. One day we can be healthy. The next day we could have an event um, that sort of changes what that, that looks like or what wellness looks like to us. But by being an active participant and making those positive choices, we can understand it's not just about being sick, but by maintaining that wellness, you know, we're able to prevent to an extent illness. And so if we get closer to good health by those preventative measures and upregulation of that endocannabinoid system, we're, we're really able to make a positive impact on our quality of life. And so again, it's not always achieved through cannabis. Our body naturally produces cannabinoids that respond to pain, inflammation, and there are ways outside of cannabis use that we can improve our quality of life and work towards that goal of maintaining our health or preventing illness or improving our symptoms. First and foremost is sleep. When I when I'm doing a consult with someone and they've got a lot of things going on, regardless of whether it's one thing or 10, I always ask, how many hours of sleep are you getting on average per night? Because we can add in CBD, we can add in THC, we can drink our water every day, but if we're only getting two or three hours of sleep every night, we're kind of undoing that other hard work that we're trying to do in in other ways. Same thing for exercising and being more active. Being active can change over time. But making a concerted effort to be active in a way that makes sense for us and for our bodies is another powerful tool to improving that wellness and then improving that quality of life. And then the self-care things, being creative, meditating, going to see an acupuncturist, getting a massage. I know some of those things may not be in, in everyone's reach, but there's there's a great deal of positive evidence to you know support how that can improve wellness, quality of life, and that natural regulation of the endocannabinoid system. Diet 
diet. Um, in fact, I think we'll probably have a future episode about diet. Let me know, drop in a comment or send us a message if that's something you think you might be interested in because the effects of, of diet and how we eat is a conversation that we could probably spend hours on. But making sure that we're getting a healthy balance of endocannabinoid enhancing fatty acids like hemp seeds, hemp oil, flax seeds, chia seeds, walnuts, anchovies, eggs, things like that can all be really powerful enhancers to our endocannabinoid system, as well as there's a lot of great benefits with with spices. There's beta-caryophylline, which is great for inflammation, found in black pepper, oregano, cinnamon, clove. And then, of course, here's your your blessing to eat that piece of chocolate tonight. Cacao powder, dark chocolate that's over 70% dark, all of those things can help prevent many, many things and have positive impacts to our our, um, health and well-being in moderation. So we've covered a lot in a in a short amount of time and in celebration of International Quality of Life Month what we really wanted to emphasize here at Cannability is that quality of life matters and a deficit in one area can spill over into another and that wellness and our ability to stay well or prevent illness of course all ties into quality of life and that while there are many you know many things that can play a role in that outcome and that there are a lot of great traditional methods to handle or improve quality of life you really want to emphasize and you know sort of shout to the rooftops that we and I mean, we collectively, you know, have the the power to, you know, take ownership and take charge, get in, get in the driver's seat, talk to our doctors about cannabis, research and learn a little bit more, making a commitment to get a bit more sleep, focusing on a better diet or, you know, trying to upregulate your endocannabinoid system by becoming a more informed consumer or consuming cannabis for the first time. All of those things can be very powerful. So as you're making those New Year's resolutions and as you're deciding what wellness and health looks like to you and what you want to achieve as it relates to quality of life, know that we at Cannability can Consulting are here to support you in that process and learning more about what that looks like and how upregulation of the endocannabinoid system can spill over into all of those domains and maybe working on a couple of things at once. When we get that endocannabinoid system in balance, again, it's targeting multiple symptoms and multiple things going on at one time. With all of that being said, I'm sure that this probably generated questions, comments. Um, so you're probably wondering, how can you get in touch with with myself or Dr. Crenshaw at Cannability Consulting? There's a couple different ways. Info at cannability.com is a is a really great way to to send a message with a question as well as any of our social media channels and we also have mechanisms that you can contact us on our website www.cannability.com so as you're venturing into this new year and making those resolutions and figuring out what's next keep us and the regulation of your endocannabinoid system in mind and uh, we look forward to hearing from you and empowering you to you know take that that next step if that's something that you or a loved one might need. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on today's episode. If you or a loved one are curious about cannabis or interested to learn more about how Cannability Consulting can help you navigate through the weeds of hemp and medical cannabis, please email us at info at cannability.com or message us on social media. And don't forget to subscribe to future episodes and leave us a review. See you next time.